You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So, you know, it, it, if you listen to Sexy Marriage Radio for any length of time, when you've been around our community for any length of time, you know we have some regular listeners. You know, they've been there since the very beginning. That and you, we hear from them often. I love it. Love yeah, that. they send emails to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com and give us updates and shout outs and questions and thoughts and suggestions. And, and challenges. Yeah, it, it's and kind of the flat. yeah, it's the full range, and and I love that because that helps us be better, and that's what we're trying to help couples experience is better and I, I love it because one of our regulars sent it and I'm just going to read the first two lines of his email because he said Apple and I are locked in a dispute because I uns- I insist in rating you guys six stars and they have a policy of five stars only on iTunes so <laughs> <laughs> I love it That's yes like we get 110 on the final exam absolutely <laughs> we exceeded it far and beyond so, and if you want to join in, obviously, I guess with iTunes, you can't give us six stars if you really like what we got going on, but you can do five if you like it. That helps us climb the charts because I was just checking this morning, since I'm the techno vanity dude, um, that we are we were right around number eight, I think, on iTunes in the sexuality category this morning. And that's pretty cool because it's not near a release date, quote unquote, which is where we usually get up higher. So... I love it when people uh, help spread the word because our our listeners are the sexiest ones out there. And this is, I think, one of the best shows out there when it comes to just talking married sex because it needs to be talked about. Even even if we do say so ourselves, we think it's one of the best. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. um, And hey, something else that I love hearing is um, there's some couples saying that they are writing it into their budget to start saving now for the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway. Yes. Next June, 23rd through the 26th, will yes. be the DFW area. I hope that lots of people are budgeting in that direction. But what was really exciting is that we heard from a ticket from a particular spouse recently whose ha- husband you know complained that you know she doesn't listen, she doesn't want to be on board. She's she's not into this. And she was the one who inquired, you know, what is the cost? We're going to write it into the budget. So I love it when a spouse uh, has a a paradigm shift about the whole topic and is willing to engage in the conversation with their own spouse Yes, and even be able to to join in listening to the shows or uh, coming to a getaway. It's going to be quite the eye-opening experience, but but in a good way. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of those things that could be really cool because, you know, the holiday seasons are fast approaching. And so what a great gift to give each other but the sexy marriage radio getaway of, Hey, you know what? I know it's kind of delayed gratification, but for a gift for, for Christmas this year, let's, let's save for that. Let's, let's give towards that. And we'll, and we'll go get four days away with, with Corey and Shannon and a bunch of other couples. And it'll just be a fantastic weekend. But more importantly, we'll have lots of time to ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was, it was so very cool to see how many couples, that when we asked how many of you uh, fall into the category of one of you listens to Sexy Marriage Radio and the other does not, and multiple couples yep. in that room raised their hands. Yep. 
And so there were a lot of people in the room who really didn't know us, didn't know the show, you know, weren't just real, real familiar. But that weekend rocked their face off yeah. and they got really, really connected to their spouse over that three day span of time. It was really awesome to see. And it's important to note that because this is the second time we're doing this, that it's likely there's going to be a better response just because we're better <laughs> at doing this. Yeah. So so it will be a better weekend. And if you are part of the Sexy Marriage Radio Bed Buddy Club, then you get first, you get priority access, quote unquote. You know, you get That's first dibs. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. We, we need to toss out a date. We need to say that only Bed Buddy Club uh, members can sign up between now and what date, Corey? Oh, I have no clue yet. I mean, we got to nail down some details first, but, but <laughs> I, I think, I think at this point well, we just tell, it's... we tell them straight out. If you're a bed buddy member, you will get a, a, a great head start that it'll be access to you first and then we'll open it to everybody else. And we'll just announce those dates. Once we nail down exactly where we're going to be, we know prices and cause that's the stuff we, we need okay. to talk about and get set up and, so you're actually, you know, our listeners are getting access to the way Shannon and I operate, even on the air. We're, we're, we're Which is we, a little on the fly at times. Um, so. We fly by the seat of our pants. <laughs> so what they need to know now is carve out the dates, June 23rd through the 26th. Yes. Start looking into uh, flights, set a, a fare search for the best fares coming into Dallas-Fort Worth. We know for sure that that is the airport yes. or Love Field. Dallas Love Field is another option. Uh, and yeah, so just plan in that direction and more details will be forthcoming. But speaking of the bed buddy club, some people may not even know what that is. Uh, this is a very new thing. So they may not have listened to some of the previous episodes where we rolled it out. Mm -hmm. So why don't we kind of, uh, give a quick explanation Absolutely. as to what that's all about. Absolutely. I think the way I would sum it up is, is, is you, if you have got anything from sexy marriage radio and it's really seen some benefit in your marriage and you want to, in a sense, give back to help help offset costs, help spread the word, help in increase what we can do with equipment and reach. And, you know, we were just talking right before we started the show on a live component of allowing us to broadcast some of this live, letting people call in, be a part of it. And then that's where you can join the Bed Buddy Club because that helps us directly on cover what it costs to do this show every every week. <laughs> Right. So we've always been listener driven. Now yes. we're listener supported so that Corey is not having to continually reach into his personal pocket to keep this thing funded. And I'm really excited. Corey and I were talking prior to the show about some of the options and I'm just glad that it's on you, pal. I am so not a, a technophobe, but <laughs> you are, and you got some mad skills when it comes to technology. And I have no doubt that uh, you're going to take the show to the next level and the next, but with the bed buddy club, there's three levels that you can get involved. Uh, there's the French Kiss Club, which is only $10 a month. That's for people who are ready to put their money where their mouth is. There's the Foreplay Club, which is only $40 a month for people who are ready to get a little bit more serious, but not quite ready to go all the way. And then there's the 69 Club, which doesn't need a lot of explanation, It's but it's $69 a month, and it's for those who are head over heels in love with yep. Sexy Marriage Radio. Yep. So it's been exciting to see the people jumping on board yes, and I'm sending out the bumper stickers and the flyers and the books and all that jazz. And so I'm pumped. Yep, I'm just, look, pumped. just look for the purple button at sexymarriageradio.com or anywhere on simplemarriage.net. You'll see the purple button and that's how you can join us. So there you go. All right. So Corey, we've been uh, talking about 
different emotions and the impact that they have yes. on our sex life. Yes. Uh, we've, we've done a couple of episodes on fear and I thought today it would be great to talk about the impact of anger on our sex life. Cause okay. I think that that is some people's modus operandi is just they're angry people, you know? <laughs> yes. You meet them on the highway on your way to work in the morning. You know, those that are having all the road rage and flipping you the finger and just right, 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 right. And it's like, really, really? I'm right. just trying to get in to, right. to that lane to get where I'm going. And is is it enough to spiral you into a new dimension of pissed off that you've never been before? Really? But there are some people just that walk on edge and everyone around them walks on eggshells. Yep. And I can't help but believe that ha that has to have a hugely negative effect. Right. And I would think in, in there are also some people that they walk on edge, but only at home, you know, outside mm. people can't push their buttons as easily. They can put on the facade, it, you know, it's water off the duck's back kind of a thing, but then they get home and it's a different game. Ooh. You know, it's because how, how many times have you had a couple where it's like your friends or your coworkers get a better you than I do? You know, I want to oh, see yeah. that person at home. I mean, I, I hear yeah. that. I know at times I've lived that where I've come home and it's just, yeah, no, I'm unloading on everybody, even though it's really not accurate. But okay. And even though it's not them that ticked you right. off in the first not, Yeah, nothing to do with it, possibly. Or maybe mm -hmm. they do have something to do with it. Maybe there's some stuff going on in the marriage that I'm just so mad about that. I'll, I can, when I'm away, I don't have to think about it, but when I'm home, it's, it's right there in my face. Yeah. And the analogy that I frequently use with clients is the concept of hugging a porcupine. Right. Uh, that nobody wants to hug a porcupine. I remember my son, Matthew, he has gone through phase after phase of, I want, I want another kitten. I want a duck. I want a lizard. I he just, he's an animal lover. And there for a while he was saying, I want a hedgehog. I want a hedgehog. And I asked him, I said, Matthew, you do realize that a, a hedgehog is a lot like a porcupine in that you can't snuggle with them. You can't pet them. You can't squeeze them. Like you can touch its nose and that's right. about it. It's right. The extent of the cuddling right there. And after he thought about it, he was like, yeah, that wouldn't be very fun. No. Same thing is true when, when you live with a porcupine uh, as a, you know, like your spouse is yep. a porcupine of just the concept of hugging someone who's angry a lot and often directs that anger at you. If the idea of hugging them is so scary, what do you think the idea of bearing other intimate body parts and getting <laughs> the skin and being really down and dirty, intimate, sexual, well, I think that's, know, wrong? It, isn't that exactly what sets up the scenario of disconnected sex? That it's just going through the motions. It's not actually sharing of myself because that person is demonstrating they're not, you can't trust them or they're not worth trying to connect with or it's kind of like i'm just going to do it out of obligation to maybe relieve a little pressure or take a little edge off or whatever or just so they won't be even more angry right just to appease them i'll be the doormat that they wipe their feet on so it's control just, yeah just to keep them from from getting even more angry at me yeah. but gosh I mean, the idea of being married to someone who is only having sex with me to appease me, but their heart, his heart is hardened toward me. His body is shut down toward me. He's only willing to do it so that I don't explode even more. That makes me really sad to think about it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that there's lots of listeners right now that that's exactly how they're feeling. They're, they're either sad 
that they realize that that probably is the dynamic that they create in their marriage with their own anger. Or there's a lot of spouses listening right now who are going, I'm glad Corey and Shannon are finally talking about this because it's not me. It's not me that's frigid. It's that I don't want to have sex with a porcupine. Right. Okay. So they're probably uh, doing an exhale of, you know, hopefully my spouse is going to listen to this and be convicted <laughs> that when, when I become their dartboard instead of their sounding board, that's not fun for me. And I don't want to have sex with them. Right. Okay. So then let's, let's yeah. start. I mean, this, I think this is kind of the role I play with a lot of shows we do, Shannon, of let's define anger because in, in <laughs> you, that, you, you always know where to start. Well, because think about it though. Isn't that it, the way I think of it in my mind is anger is one of society's few acceptable emotions or responses where we're, we're if you're okay to be happy. You're okay to be sad if it's a justifiable reason, you know, i.e. Mm -hmm. tragedy, major loss, something. Right. But even that has its finite. That's a, there's a definite timeline of, hey, it's been three months. Get over it. Move on. Whatever. So, But it, it, during the, the meat of it, everybody understands sadness. And then anger. And it seems like everybody's, okay, well, he's just angry. The, I think there's just those three in there. According yeah, to society, I mean, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, that it's good. I'm just saying yeah. that's where we have learned as, as people and particularly men, we've learned that anger is a way I can show all of my emotions. So if I have a frustration, I'll just show it as anger. It's easier that way. Right. Or if I have sadness, it, I can show it as anger. Disappointment, I can mm -hmm. show it as anger. Loneliness, Fear, I can show it as can anger. Show it as Fear, anger. exactly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think we have to define anger is different than a lot of the other emotions, even though we show a lot of the other emotions as anger. I totally agree that anger is a go-to emotion to mask what might be perceived as weakness of another emotion. Right. Like to show fear, people associate that with weakness. Right. To be sad, right. people associate that with weakness. But anger, somehow we've bought the lie that anger equates to strength. But I think that it's just a big fat mask to hide you know, even more weaknesses that it, it's really, if you can control your anger, that is a strength. That is certainly a strength. Okay. But when you're letting your anger repeatedly get out of control and you're hurting people, you're walking on people, right. how can that possibly be considered a strength? You're just throwing your weight around is all you're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, I, I still got to come back to the word control that like we did with our last show that it's a myth i don't i think our emotions you don't control them anger management is one of the biggest misnomers in my mind that you can't yeah, manage also. you can't manage your anger it's an emotion it's a free-flowing thing it's a reactionary response i can mm -hmm. channel it better i can use it more appropriately but i can't manage it as in squash it i would put that in the same mindset as desire you can't just squash mm -hmm. desires. They're there. Right. It's where do I sh where do I focus them? That's what matters. Well, if I have something that happens in my well, life that I'm mad about, where do I focus that? Right. And when you think about squashing it, I mean, that's basically repressed right. anger. Right. And repressed anger becomes depression. Yep. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people walking or, around. Yeah that they really are depressed if they had to admit it to themselves they are depressed and the reason for that is that they have a lot of repressed anger uh 
and maybe they're just trying to walk on those eggshells around other people and feel as if they can't be angry. I think that it's important that we talk about the difference between justified anger and unjustified anger. Okay. Can we go there for yep, a second? Let's go. I mean, first of all, anger is not a sin. Nope. Because we see Jesus getting angry. Uh, you know, in particular, the scene with the money changers tables in the temple, they were angry that, <laughs> that the Pharisees were taking advantage of the people, yeah. putting a burden on their backs that they I have didn't to, need. I have to add real quick, just because I saw a, a little uh, cartoon kind of a thing that said, you have to keep in mind whenever you come up on that whole, what would Jesus do? Overturning tables and throwing people out of a room is not beyond the possibilities of what Jesus would do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly shook things up. Yes, he, he did. did. But we also know that it was justified. Right. Because it, the Bible says he was without sin. Right. So obviously whatever he did, it was totally called for, and it ushered in a needed change. Right. And so there are times, I know that recently I've been working with some clients that, I mean, I knew that she was angry. When she came to my Women at the Well workshop and spent four days, you know, unpacking all this baggage from her past. But when I showed that it was the exact same PowerPoint slide that we showed at the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway with all the Peanuts characters about yeah. what is your response or what is your um, what's your attitude about his latitude? Right. About, you know, what is a wife's response to her husband's erection? She got angry. Right. That was her response. And she went home and told her husband, I will never have sex with you again. And so when I heard that, it was like, hey, well, well, wait a minute. That that's not the goal of women at the well workshops. Like, like that's opposite of the goal. Like, what is this really all about? Right. So they gave me the privilege of working with them one-on-one -on -one after the workshop. And what I learned is, is that he had become very, very angry as a result of her being sexually unavailable. Sure. However, he had gotten incredibly pouty, angry and become quite emotionally abusive, yep. calling her names, yep. ugly names, like names I wouldn't call anybody on the planet. And so it's like, okay, her shutting down sexually is her way of overturning the money changers tables and saying, we're shaking something up here. I will no longer disconnect my heart from my body and just give you my body. You have to earn my heart back right. by behaving and treating me better. Right. And I had to support her on that. And Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think any woman should be expected or man should be expected just to give in sexually when they're being abused or mistreated. And it certainly has been the catalyst that's opened his eyes. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it, it's what needs to happen. It's what needs to happen is sure. for there to be enough anger surface to usher in change. Right, right. Because there's an, there's an element that, that our reactions, our emotions... Um, even our anger serves us well. It's a protective kind of a thing. It's a, I mean, that I, I think of it, it's lizard brain thinking, if you go that, you know, it's, it's deep in the core of the brain reaction that's intended for our survival. That it's like, okay, wait, this is a personal threat. This is a huge thing that I need to honor, acknowledge, find the truth in, and use appropriately. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about unjustified anger. Okay. I mean, let's be real. There are a lot of people that are, quite frankly, they're just still angry from their childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. But your spouse wasn't the parent that neglected you or abused you or ignored you. Right. You know, uh, your spouse wasn't the bully that stole your milk money yep. uh, in the hallway. Uh, you know, it just 
when we look at a person's life history, you can often see that pattern of anger building throughout their childhood, but they had to repress it because their parents wouldn't allow that to be expressed in the home. Right. So then they established their own household and then they have the freedom to do it because by golly, I'm the head of the household. And and that's not just for men. I mean, there are women that fall into the same category. And so when you're taking the past out on your partner in the present, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That is totally a problem. So what does a person do with their about their past anger, Corey? As a, as a licensed therapist, how do you walk someone through the process of, A, recognizing that this anger is not about today and the people I live with now. This anger is residual from long, long ago. And then how, how do they process that effectively and move on? Well, I think there's that, that's where the beauty of the two different approaches you and I have comes into play. That you, you would be the type, from what I hear of you, it would you would want to work with them on a more intimate level as a one-on-one kind of a thing and just kind of unpack to let's let's go back through the scenarios let's let's heal from them by digging into mm-hmm. the scenarios mm-hmm. i would come at it from okay so especially if i could do it in the in the context of the system where both husband and wife are participating in this with me to where i could whoever it is that's being uh the the side of it that they, they, they receive the other person's anger, you know, like they're mad at their partner and it's mm-hmm. not because of their partner. It's because of something else. I would try to do more of the real time. Okay. How could you acknowledge on either side? I mean, the, well, cause what comes to my mind is er, years ago, um, there was a, an affair in my wife's family that was going on uh, from a sibling and my, and, and Pam was reacting like it had happened to her. That's part of it. She was very internal. She was internalizing it a lot. And so some of her responses, Feeling the betrayal of yeah, it. some of her responses were just like, she was real, a, a little over the top. And so I finally, you know, at first I was like, okay, I get it. It's a shock. You know, I, I'm, I'm hurt by this too. And this is a disappointing thing. But then as it kept going, I finally, after she hung up the phone one day with a conversation, I finally was like, babe, you're acting like this happened to you. I did not do this to you. You know, and it and it, I think that kind of clicks something for her of like, you're right. I need to still process some of the stuff, but not take it out on you. And so it's yeah. I want to do it. I do it in a more try to try to do it in more real time. Of here's how it's playing out now because that's how I I refer to that as the best in people because the mm-hmm. best in us is able to see. Yeah, you're right. Because the people that come come home and they've had a really bad day and they proverbially kick the dog, they know the dog didn't do anything. And they feel bad about that they've done it at some point. You know, they they typically have that awareness of, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry. I took that out on you. And so it's just, I think that starts to heal it too. Mm-hmm. That starts to unpack. And then it also opens the doors of, yep, there's still back, there's still stuff back there I really want to get some closure with. So then let's go there. And, but I, I want to, you know, so it's just either way works. Either way is a viable option. It's just, sure. it's the ability to recognize. And if you have both teams as a cohort, both sides of it to say, you know, if Greg could call you out on, look, Shannon, that that's ridiculous. I didn't do this. You know, I, and I, and you've referred to that on shows in the past of, I did not do this to you. I am mm-hmm. not X. <laughs> I am not Y. I, you know, yeah, this it, is not about me and you. This right. is about you and your dad. So yeah. it, that's the ability to just start to deal with and confront what really ails you in life and, and, and put it away once and for all. Mm-hmm. And I find that encouraging clients to move from anger 
to sadness. That is like a step that melts the ice. Yeah. Um, recognizing that the person who hurt you in the first place was a hurting little boy trapped in a grown man's body or a hurting little girl trapped in a grown woman's body themselves, just like we are. And to recognize that it's hurting people who hurt people. And okay. so to rewind the tape and look at what, you know, what didn't, not just what happened in my family of origin, but what happened in my parents' family and what happened in their parents' family. Like, you know, these are usually generational patterns that get handed okay. down from generation to generation. Okay. So it was amazing how when, I mean, I had a lot of anger toward Greg probably in our first, it was really from about year two to year seven. That, that was about a five-year span of time that Shannon was a pretty angry person. And um, that was before all of the counseling. And one of the things that my counselor encouraged me to do is to talk with my dad. And that idea scared the bejeebies out of me. Sure. But I did work up the courage. I wrote him one letter that I never sent because I just unleashed my anger right. and pissed him up one side and down the other and told him I wanted to beat him like he used to beat us on occasion and that sort of thing. But then the other letter was just an invitation to have a conversation. And sure enough, we went on a camping trip. We went for a walk. He explained his childhood to me and my heart totally melted toward him. And I just found myself being so sad for the little boy that he once was. Right. And I understood what was behind his anger, that it was never about me. It was about his parents. And so just learning to have empathy and compassion for the person that really angered right. you the most is a lot. That goes a long way to turn melting your anger into sadness because sadness is easier dealt with by a spouse. It's hard to hug a porcupine, but it's easy to comfort a crier. Right. You know, I, I think that it's men especially want to be a hero to the woman who's crying, but the woman who's got her claws out, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go out to the shop. You let me know when this blows yeah, over. Yeah, but I've also got to add that there's there's a certain section of population that's going to have, um, and this might be a pretty big one, that when they hear, when they see tears from their partner, they want to just run. They don't want, that mm -hmm. doesn't produce comforting feelings because it's a control thing. I can't solve that. I can't fix that. I can, you know, and so it's just this, it, we're averse to it. And so. It, it, well, that's why we need to do our next show on sadness. Well, I, I agree with that. That is a topic we need to cover. But I also, at some point, and maybe this fits in this, this line of thinking, maybe it doesn't. And uh, I'm just going to bring it up because this is another side of things that we have not done a show on yet. On the whole thing that Schnars calls normal marital sadism. <laughs> that that happens it, that there's an undercurrent in the shadows of marriage and in the shadows of family where you know we we usually fall victim to this people just do the best they can at the time but what about when they don't you know what about when they intentionally are doing something knowing it's going to produce harm knowing there's going to be a fallout to it and there's that's a there's a sadistic side to us that just mm. I want my way and I don't care about those I'll people do whatever that I it hurt. takes right to get it and 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 it and it plays out in marriage so rampantly that people don't acknowledge or talk about and you know because I was thinking of uh, I was writing an article for, on on this whole idea and I'm still kind of massaging it to, to, for the wording because that's a complicated issue to talk about in in a written form but it's it's the I, what comes to my mind is there's a a couple that I think of where he constantly was mad at his wife for sex because she was she was constantly withdrawing and withholding then when she finally does agree to have sex 
when she reaches her orgasm, she wants to stop even though he hasn't finished. And then if he wants Whoa. to persist, she plays the I'm feeling used and abused role. As so she uses her victimhood as a as a way to perpetuate abuse. You know. Wow. And, and and but that's the subtlety of way this goes out is like what the, what neither of them recognize is they're both being cruel to each other mm. and they don't recognize their own cruelty. And Interesting. that's stuff we have to acknowledge as people because we have an undercurrent of meanness and cruelty in us. We do. And I, that's where we do. I, yeah, I don't, people that, that claim they're hundred percent compassion and kind f scare me. They make me nervous because it's like, no, you're not, <laughs> you know, you need to acknowledge the other side of you. And this is where anger comes in. You need to acknowledge that you can blow your top. If I can be in a relationship with somebody that knows they blow their top, but is working on, I'm fine with that because I know at least they're trying to take care of themselves. The people that we're talking to, I think most are the people where the person is constantly unloading and they don't even realize they're doing it, mm. but everybody else I mean, because, does. Because that was normal in their family growing right. up. Right. So anger was a, an emotion that they were comfortable with. Right. It's just familiar. It's to how them. they get their way. Yeah. But you're, but your spouse may not be familiar with anger. That may not have been the modus operandi in their household. And so it feels very threatening. Well, but if they've been with them for any length of time, they're, they're familiar with it now. And so they've learned, yeah. I can't be myself around you because you're not trustworthy. You're not safe. You're not whatever. And so they don't. And so then it becomes this whole pseudo fusion thing of, I have to make sure you're okay by me acting according to the way you want me to act rather than I'm going to be me. You like it or not. I don't care. You know, you, you just react to you and how you handle and it. That's the freeing side of married life that we talk about. I think of. So instead of playing the victim, they take ownership of protecting themselves right. and they take a big step back. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, it's, it's not the, it's not a victimology kind of a thing. It's more lots of times, what we don't recognize is even when I'm tempering myself for out of tact, you know, like I, I want to bring up something with me. I do this too. So it's, it's me trying to recognize in real time that there's something going on in my life that I want to bring up. And so I'm, but I'm hesitant to do it because if I'm, I'm afraid of Pam's reaction. So I temper it. I, I change it. I, she, and she sees it. That's the, that's the cool thing of how this plays out is because then your partner's like, what? And you're like, nothing. You know, they pick up on there's something you want to talk about but I'm a scared sure. to talk about it. So they don't, you know, <laughs> that's the same thing that goes on whenever you say, like, if you come to Greg and you're like, Hey, did you ever now? Never mind. And then he's no, what, 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 what were you wanting to tell me? No, I don't want to tell you anymore. <laughs> and then that you start freaking out, you know, because it's like, I'm supposed to know this stuff. No, you're not. And so it's just, it's learning <laughs> the ability to see that. Okay. I have started tempering myself for my own benefit. You know, because if you were raised in a household where anger was a way that whoever it was that was angry controlled everything, then you knew don't make dad mad, don't make mom mad, don't disappoint them, whatever. So you start recognizing, you know what, I can handle your disappointment. So I will start standing up and being less tempered. And I'm not saying you mm -hmm. just un unleash all of your reaction to stuff. It's just you start recognizing if I speak up and that makes you mad, I'm okay with that. I can handle it. Okay. I, so it's I, getting a backbone. Yeah, it is. It's just stand, it's putting your big girl panties on or your big boy boxers, as your phrase would always use. And, mm -hmm. and just starting to take responsibility for my role in my life. That mm -hmm. I'm not a victim in my life. I am a volunteer. And if I will live that, I, I now all of a sudden shift the way I approach anger.
Yeah, I, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that. And, and I think that that's probably uh, the way that Greg handled my anger all those years ago, even though he wasn't trained in how to do so. He was just he just stood up for himself saying, right. this is not about me and you. Right. Stop trying to make this about me and you. This is about you and your dad. Right. And he was right. He was totally right. And I'm so glad that someone could call my attention to that. Yeah. That I'm taking my anger out on my husband. I would have eventually taken it out on my kids yep. had I not done the soul work that I needed yep. to do to recognize what it was all about. Um, so yeah, I think that that's where the value of counseling really Absolutely. comes in. Absolutely. If, if you're an angry person and you don't know why, you need a counselor to help you put that emotion under a microscope and figure out what this is really all about before you destroy your spouse's heart and your kids' hearts as well. Right. Because this is, and also living in close proximity with other people. That's what this is all about. Because you can't hide who you are to people you live close with. <laughs> so just make. Yeah, just make sure that you're being the same person inside your home as you are outside your home. As far as just sensitivity, you wouldn't you wouldn't chew a neighbor up one side and down the other just because you're out of sorts. So why would you do that to your spouse or your kids? Exactly. Yeah, and that's I mean that's where all of this I think is a laboratory. That how how, how quickly do you react to those around you? And if you kind of find yourself, you know what? I feel like I'm kind of losing some control. I feel like I don't have a grip on my anger. I can't use it well. Well, then ask, take the courageous step of asking for help. That's not a weakness. That's a strength. Absolutely. Because when I acknowledge that I'm not capable of something and I actually get help for it, I realize I am capable of something. And it just reminds me of the scripture. God gives grace to the humble. When you humbly accept the fact that you have some things that need to be worked on before you continue hurting other people, I definitely think that God's going to give you the strength that you need to face what you need to face yes, and make the changes you need to make. Yes, he does. And hopefully it will bleed over into your marriage bed like crazy. Absolutely. And that's where we want this to lead. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, I hope it leads there. And it's great. <laughs> so thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. We love you for listening.